0: The Bulgarian-Turkish border doesn't make much news. Maybe for that reason our today's guest calls it Europe's forgotten border. However, it is worth observing as hundreds of witnesses have testified to the existence of black sites, places where people who came to Europe to claim asylum are denied any rights. Our focus today is on an investigative piece by Lighthouse Reports which revealed that security forces along the Bulgarian-Turkish border are using secret facilities to systematically detain people seeking refuge before illegally deporting them, which is a clear violation of international law. But in this case, it is not only about those detention centres being hidden from the public eye, but also about what they actually are. Some of those detention centres look like cages, Instead of animals, human beings are held there without any rights. Our guest today is Maria Cheresheva, a human rights journalist and a member of the Lighthouse Reports who brought the news about the detention cages to the wider audience. Maria, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. And just to give everybody a picture of what we're talking about, I would like to tell us what does the Bulgarian-Turkish border look like and uh, how does the crossing there uh, take place?
1: The Bulgarian-Turkish border is a pretty interesting place. Uh, it's it's a very special border, in my opinion, because uh, in during the communist times, it was actually the, the border that was stopping people from, uh, uh, to come from north to south, basically people that were living in the Soviet bloc to escape to Greece and Turkey basically to, uh, to to run away from the regime. And actually many there was a lot of violence and many people died there because the border army, at that time it was army, was allowed to shoot at people who were trying to cross. Uh, so there are many stories of like people, not only from Bulgaria, but also from other people from the Warsaw Pact, from the Eastern Bloc, who tried to escape uh, and to go to the West if we can, Call it like that. It was back then uh, during the Iron Curtain. So now it's the the similar processes are happening the other way around. So it's quite ironical that uh, now people are coming from mostly from Greece, uh, from Turkey, excuse me, uh, probably very, very few from Greece, although we've heard about such uh, cases uh, and uh, trying to reach Europe because now Bulgaria is on the... uh, Politically, and still politically, it's on the right side of the meadow, not like uh, 30 years ago. And uh, it's a very long border, uh, a few hundred kilometers. I can't be com- completely correct, but more than 260 land border with a bit of river and a sh- very short sea uh, segment, which is very, very heavily guarded and you can be shot by the Turkish authorities. So it's it's not highly recommended to swim there. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, uh, most of the people uh, that are crossing now come from the Middle East and Africa, but mostly from the Middle East and North Africa as well. And they would try to cross the land borders illegally because there are no ways to to actually cross legally. Even recently, there was a case with a few dozens of people that tried to cross at the Edirne border crossing, uh, Edirne-Kapokule. It's... Actually, the, one of the biggest land border crossings in the European Union, for the ones that don't know, uh, and they were denied entry to Bulgaria. So, uh, unfortunately, people take high risk, take roads with the help of smugglers. Then they try to walk as much as possible. So it's a very risky route.
0: So, Maria, my understanding is that pushbacks are happening at the Bulgarian-Turkish border. That's one thing, but pushbacks are happening also from the refugee centres, from the centres that are supposed to host people while they are still in the process. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, So uh, pushbacks are very irregular practice at the Bulgarian-Turkish border. Uh, Usually they happen to people who have uh, just crossed and they're being pushed back, which is uh, usually, I mean, at least this is how we judge it, being portrayed as prevent entries. But, in many of the cases, it's actually people who have already entered and they've been sent when she was inside of the border. In many cases, the violence is uh, documented. Uh, in such occasions, not only by I've been mean, in my practice as a journalist, I've worked on many cases like that, but also organizations such as Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, and others have issued a number of reports about this uh, border violence. But yeah, the, uh, what you what you mentioned that people being pushed back from official reception or detention facilities, I think it's something that uh, we still just have uh, signs about. It's uh, very difficult to track and prove. But personally, I have interviewed people who they have tried to apply for asylum in Sofia, for example. Sofia the capital of Bulgaria. It's several hundred of kilometers away from the border, so it this means that those people have either walked or have been smuggled with cars to Sofia. Uh, they have tried to apply for asylum in reception facilities and then they have been sent to a detention and from the detention center, they have been sent back to Turkey. Also, human rights groups have uh, alerted for such type of uh, uh, violation, but uh, unfortunately, as journalists, we haven't had the opportunity to document this in the way that we documented, for example, the uh, black sites. Uh, on the Bulgarian-Turkish border, something that cannot be subjected to any, uh, you know, doubts that that it happened because we have it all camera.
0: So I would like to ask you: there are both reception centers and detention centers in Bulgaria, uh, and how many of those do you have, more or less, and where are they located? Uh, I would be interested in that also to know. Where do those pushbacks are happening? So, uh, are there any reception centers that are even close to the capital, to Sofia, and then people are being pushed back from so far away from the border?
1: So, uh, in some of the interviews that we've had and information I've got from my uh, from sources, uh, some of the cases uh, have occurred in uh, in Sofia because we have reception centers which are open. They are for people who have applied for asylum. And they're waiting for the decision of the state agency for the refugees. So we're fighting five of them. In Sofia, we have three. Uh, there is The biggest one is in Kharmanli, which is closer to the Bulgarian-Turkish border. And uh, there, are, uh, there are actually two others. So we have six reception centers and two detention centers. One of them is near Sofia, in Usmanci, for where there are a number of reports and allegations that push back and the other one is again close to Bulgarian, Turkish, and Greek border in a small place called Lubimets. So uh, those places have different type of uh, regimes. Uh, the Bulgaria recently also built two big kind of reception centers with uh, like the ones in Greece with uh, with uh, with big walls with uh, like caravan style. Uh, of facilities where people can uh, can sleep, but they are currently empty. For a very short period, uh, they allowed uh, Ukrainian refugees there, which was also not supposed to happen, but it was just for a, b- a very brief period. So they are uh, very highly surveyed. They uh, they have walls and uh, the, the purpose, both of them are close to the Turkish border. So it's uh, again El Khu and Ljubljavetsk. And the purpose of this place is uh, to register people there, to vet them, and to see whether they would be allowed to apply for asylum or they would be sent to detention. Uh, they are supposed to be places for temporary housing of people, and they are uh, built a hundred percent with uh, European funding.
0: Exactly, this is actually something I wanted to go to uh, because Bulgaria receives EU funding. Is it? Correct. Is my uh, thinking correct that most of the funding actually goes to border management rather than supporting the humanitarian situation in the country?
1: So definitely the lion's share of the European funding that Bulgaria receives. And it's quite big. Actually, Bulgaria receives more money than, uh, uh, for example, Croatia or Hungary and the border security fund. The lion's share goes for border protection. So this is for guarding the border for equipment for uh, of the... Of the border police and also for detention and deportation and all this uh, uh, money that is related to security. And meanwhile, the uh, reception system is heavily underfunded. I know that the the, the Bulgarian uh, the state agency for the refugees, despite all of its problems and flaws, uh, uh, actually it works with very uh, short, it's short of stuff, each sort of funding. And there is zero money for integration. So for example, even if I give one a refugee status in Bulgaria or humanitarian status, then I'm on my own. So you don't have any support, for example, for short-term housing or for uh, learning the language or in order just to have enough time to settle. And clearly, because of that, very few people actually choose to remain in the country. Although there are some of them, they actually feel quite well in the yeah, they're well accepted by society, The the culture is not that distant from theirs. But I think that the, there is like a intentional state policy that doesn't offer integration so that basically people were kept out of the country.
0: Maria, you call uh, the Bulgarian-Turkish border the Europe's forgotten border, but actually with your report, with the report of Lighthouse, this border received some attention, finally. And going to the findings of this report, I would first like to ask you about how did you actually find out about the situation with those cages at the border? How did you start your investigation?
1: Uh, some people, especially in Bulgaria would not believe that, but we just started from zero. So the colleagues from Lighthouse Reports get some testimonials that there are such black sites like in different European countries. Like uh, uh, gray zones where uh, any l- law is basically not, uh, no, uh, and no, no human rights are protected. And basically those are places that illegally the lot exists. So basically anything can happen there. Of course, they've worked on migration a lot and they've had heard many testimonials, but we, we didn't have any proof for that. So I got contacted by, by Lighthouse and I started working from scratch. So it was interviews. It was monitoring the border. It was traveling around Bulgaria and Turkey. And actually, it was a um, colleague, Tara Kreta, who got the testimonials of people uh, about they have been kept in the in the cage. I call it cage because this it's it, at least a cage-like structure is more um, uh, correct to say. So yeah, we had done already quite a lot of work, but we just kept hints about these places. And the breakthrough was the, uh, when uh, our colleague from Italy, Sara Creta, interviewed several people who had been pushed back multiple times to Turkey. And some of them explained that uh, they uh, had stayed in this cage, like in a cage like a structure in Bulgaria, before being pushed back. And we, we monitored different places along the border because uh, we had information that it was actually inside an official border facility, like a police facility. But of course, those people don't have details about where they were. They are confused in a foreign country. And yeah, we monitored multiple locations in different cities until finally with the geolocation, we found this place, which was in the border uh, police facility in Sredet. It's a city like 100 kilometers away from the Bulgarian-Turkish border. And yeah, there was some like uh, interviews and then we found the place through geolocation. But in the end, of course, we had to search it. And I went there one day and I was really shocked to see that it was actually full of people. It was in the yard of a border police station and we monitored the place. Uh, Five times for five days in different, uh, like, periods of the month and the following month. And we could establish a pattern that probably those were people arrested along the border uh, who were trying to walk or get on the cars, some smugglers. And they were driven there and they were kept there. And finally, with military trucks, Uh, they were taken to the border and pushed back. I mean, we didn't, we couldn't see the pushback itself. But it was a pattern that we could confirm also through the people's uh, testimonials. Mm-hmm. And we managed to feel inside several times, even by inserting a GoPro camera inside this uh, shed.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is actually very impressive. Uh, I, I read one of your articles saying that you actually put some cameras, GoPros there and even managed to record some sound from inside this, this place. Um, That that must have been a really dangerous um, uh, activity there. Yeah, it it required
1: uh, a bit of creative thinking, but that's why it's great to have a team of colleagues. So basically I was not alone on that. I was with uh, colleagues from Lighthouse Reports uh, and and other people who supported us. So it was risky, but it was not that difficult and in the end, uh, we managed to actually, the way people are are taken out by a border policeman, because uh, it, it, it was crucial, actually, to have all the footage that shows that this place, apart from being inside the yard, and it's obviously people know it's there, but we see that actually there was interaction with the police, uh, border police officers. But what was even, in my opinion, even more interesting was the presence of Frontex cars in the same yard, so, we saw different frontex cars, parked right in front of this shed. So, so they must wow. have seen it. Well, we, of course, we provided them with the opportunity to comment on our findings and our uh, footage, even before publishing, as we are supposed to do. And we got the answer that they uh, they just started some internal checkups. So, actually, also the Bulgarian police started the internal checkup. There is an investigation. I was... Invited to testify, which is uh, something new. I mean, usually mm. those, those investigations are just left without any comment, you know, it's like nothing happened. But we managed to break the story internationally. So I think that's why it sparked some follow up activity. I'm not very positive that um, something would come up out of this, but at least there is some form of regulation that has uh, occurred as a result of that.
0: Uh, Maria, you, you call this place uh, where people were kept instead a cage. Could you please describe a little bit more? What did you see there? I, I saw the pictures uh, online in several publications and it's extremely shocking, extremely shocking that something like this is actually happening at the EU territory. We know about pushbacks and some people justify it, that this is a protection of borders, okay, if they want to believe it. I can take this argument as one that uh, can appeal to some audience, but those cages, this is something extremely shocking that I couldn't believe that we went that far in the quotation here, protecting our border. So can you please describe, so our listeners can imagine how do those cages look like? I call with the cage, it's more probably, it's
1: like a barrack, mm-hmm. like a shed. Uh, a building made of bricks, but the what, what made us call it a cage or a cage-like structure is the fact that it has bars on one of the sides. So basically, people are locked in inside. Um, it's an old structure. In my opinion, and in the opinion of some other people who saw it, it looks like a dog kennel. It looks like a place where dogs have been kept. But we actually found out that this, uh, this border police station, it was received some European funding. And it even has received European funding for building a a dog kennel, so basic, basically a place to keep their, uh, the dogs that are guarding the border. And I, 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 during our investigation, I tried to find out is it the same structure. But and I co- uh, I contacted the company that has done the renovation, but it turned out that it's not uh, it's not the same structure. So it's a wild guess, but I might say that probably the dogs were kept in better condition. Uh, uh, in and. The most shocking thing is, yeah, the people are kept inside, behind bars. It's completely dirty. And, and they, they are not allowed to use a uh, bathroom, restaurant. They have no access to water. So the, the, the horrible smell came out of the of the place. And people said it already in the testimonials before we found the place out. And it was very strange because while, while I was walking and when I saw it and when I was approaching it, I, I felt the smell from the testimonials. And I was like, well, that should be it. <laughs> and it uh, it was it was shocking for me to see that uh and not not that I mean you know about it but when you see it with your own eyes it's a bit frustrating and what is most frustrating is that this all these places they have normal sales, and they have the condition where to keep people but if they register them if they keep them in the regular um security system of the country, it means that it would not be that easy to bring them back to where they come from. So in order for this uh, parallel system to operate, you also need alternative detention, types, such as this one. And in the cases, in the same investigation, the case, the findings of the colleagues in uh, Hungary and uh, Uh. Croatia found out that people were kept like in van for hours. So for example, locked at a a gas station that was non-operational, so... The, it turns out that the security authorities can be very creative in their uh, ways to avoid actually registering all those people. But yeah, definitely, what we saw at the Bulgaria-Turkey border was most shocking in terms of uh, like humiliating and inhumane treatment.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Maria, you mentioned an ev- investigation happening right now into this issue, but I would like to ask you about general reaction to this report. It made international news, not only the Bulgarian news, Um, what what was the reaction from the government, from the authorities uh, to your uh, report? Oh, it was uh, a rejection and uh, I would say harassment from certain
1: authorities. We released it in the week when Bulgaria and Croatia had to be accepted, when Romania had, uh, had to be accepted in Schengen when we were doing our Schengen bit. So Bulgaria and Romania got rejected and actually this gave the Bulgarian authorities an excellent excuse that uh, this was actually an international uh, operation that was trying to discredit uh, Bulgaria in order not to get accepted in uh, in Schengen. And it, of course, it was uh, a totally unreasonable excuse because the 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 main things that Bulgaria is criticized by, for example, its biggest Schengen opponent, the Netherlands, is the corruption and. Mm-hmm. All this uh, border management system is also related to uh, lots of corruption. The, the Austrian, uh, the Austrian government also rejected Bulgaria on the grounds of migration and on the grounds of allowing too many people in Europe. It's of course, with very populist arguments, but actually our, uh, our investigation was showing the opposite that people are kept out at any, any price. Mm-hmm. So, it, uh, if if you think logically, it makes zero sense, because none of the European uh, institutions or countries uh, stated the respect of human rights is any of the problems uh, that uh, Bulgaria is facing. It, uh, like the respect of human rights is on the bottom of the priorities. Also, the European countries, it, it looks like. Uh, so, it was, uh, yeah, it was the president. The, the, all the all the major uh, political players and institutions the, uh, like just said that bit. kind of a, uh, a plot against Bulgaria and uh, yeah that's it and certain media and certain even the, the head of the media regulator was attacking me personally and the the report so it was quite um it was quite a stressful period but mm-hmm. as I said I was finally happy because I've been doing investigation long human rights and borders in Bulgaria for more than 10 years. And finally, somebody paid attention. So all this, you know, sometimes attack is the best defense. So the fact that they attacked in such a way means that we really um, like struck them in the right place Mm -hmm. this time with with our findings. Like something that has been happening without any problem was finally revealed by by someone. So of course, the institutions were not happy.
0: Is there more light and attention uh, being put right now at the um, Turkish and Bulgarian border after your report do those cages still exist mm,
1: I've heard from people who visited recently that it was empty I mean the construction exists it, it's a, it's a concrete construction so it's there but there were no people inside uh, I I wouldn't be that positive I mean there there, there there was certain attention of some international organizations and groups the also these uh, these findings uh, found their place in the reports of uh, the Council of Europe, the State Department, etc. So there was certain attention. but uh, from the information I get from uh, rights groups and people who work with uh, migration along the border are not positive. i mean if if it's not displaced, there will probably be another one.
0: And that's actually a very sad way to finish our podcast that there will probably be another way and another one, uh, as this is what actually is happening right now all over Europe, whatever it takes to actually secure the borders from people who need to come and claim asylum without actually processing their requests. Um, Maria, I would very much like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, Our guest today was Maria Cheresheva. An independent human rights journalist. Thank you for listening to Fractured. Our podcast is produced by Refocus Media Lab's citizen journalists from Afghanistan, Iran, Ukraine and many other countries. It is partly financed by Alliance Foundation and Choose Love. However, it is thanks to donations from individual people like you that we can continue our mission of teaching media skills to refugees and asylum seekers and give them a platform to showcase their work. So if you value this podcast and our work, please support us on refocusmedialabs.org forward slash donate.